This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast revisiting television sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Other Space, Episodes 3 and 4. We've been infiltrated twice without difficulty. Our minds have been exposed. Hmm. We're in a very weak position. So I suggest we submit, offer up our most private places, every last one. What's that? I suggest that when the alien next appears, each of us thinks of his or her most shameful secret so that the creature may sift through them for his voyeuristic pleasure. We must also offer ourselves up physically. Are you familiar with the primate custom of presenting? No. Show me. Well, I'm not in heat and my genitals aren't engorged, but if I were to arch my haunches... Oh, stop, stop. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Have a seat. Welcome to Continue Drag, the podcast getting kicked into space. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? There's nothing that's real. I was trying to find like a really clever line from the show or something that would like circle back that's interesting. But as you know, other space doesn't give you a lot to work with. So there's nothing that's real. I mean, clever lines maybe isn't its strong suit. I'm going to say something, though, to start. I was thinking about the show because I, I watched them all yesterday. I watched them all, both episodes yesterday. And I think I figured out the overarching problem with this show and again, I'm maybe a bit of an apologist because I don't think it's the worst show of all time, but there's something that I, I think is lacking, and that's it doesn't have a vision. There's no strong person pushing the vision of what this show is. Like, I'm thinking about Paul Feig, who's, it's his show. I loved Freaks and Geeks, another one that he wrote and directed and him with uh, Judd Apatow. And it was like, it was so personal and idiosyncratic and its own thing that you couldn't help feel connected to it because it was so personal. And this show almost has the exact opposite feel that it's so impersonal that I don't know how anyone could connect to it on that level. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that's a great way of describing it. It it does feel mercenary in many ways. Like there's no yeah. character you feel like anyone who was involved in it connected with. Like it just, yeah, there's not, there's a very little to hold on to. I think what it is is they thought, this idea is so strong of people in space who don't know what they're doing and they're kind of stuck out there. So they thought the scenarios and the characters will sort of write themselves, I think. And the problem is I don't think the concept is as strong as they think it is. You know, it's like, I'm not saying there's not things you can, you know, there's clearly things you can do with that sort of like lost in space idea, but they're not doing it. There, Yeah, there, there's very little they want to say with this show. Right. It's no Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. Well, John, before we get into it, I was thinking we should probably do a little a little something before we talk about other space. Oh, sure. Okay. As we usually do. You know how this show works. A segment of yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, I've done them a few times. So I just decided we'd do a little game for you. I'm going to do terribly. I just have a feeling. It doesn't feel like my morning. I, good news, Jordan. There's no way to lose at this game. Oh, good. Okay, good. We're playing a little game where I've overwritten it a bitch, but it's called um, Assign to Your Crew in an Attempt to Woo, Have a Girl's <laughs> Night Out With, or Throw Out an Airlock. Okay, great. Okay. You know, it's uh, Mary Kiss Kill, basically. Yeah, what are the categories, though? There's no categories. I'm just giving you three characters, and you can decide. What are the scenarios, though? I forget what they were. Oh, One was I see. a girl's night. Um, it's a... Uh, Assign to your crew in an attempt to woo, 
So you're right. going to pick someone who has no emotional attraction to you or physical, and you're going to try to force yourself upon them. Yep, yeah. Uh, there's girls' night out. Uh, hook up with a girls' night out, I guess is what it is. So you're going to okay. hook up with one of them on a girls' night out. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to throw one of them out the airlock because that's, <laughs> okay. that's been a yeah. running theme. Yeah, it is true. Okay, so great. So let's do it. So your your first set of characters are uh, Captain Stewart. Yep. The third officer, Michael. Uh-huh. And the science officer, Kent, with the gills. Okay, Kent with the gills. I would say Stewart, our captain, I'm sending him out of the airlock. I think he's oh, been given wow. too many. I think he's been given too many shots. And I don't think he's as... <laughs> as endearing as this show thinks he is at least not to me he's fine he's perfectly fine but like enough man three strikes so he's out in the airlock i would say i'll call up kent and uh, i'll try to force my my love on him by by hiring him is that what it was yeah yeah sure you're gonna woo him yeah i'm gonna woo him and then i'm gonna i'm gonna have my night with michael because poor michael he's always a little down so maybe i'll cheer him up you know yeah there you go nice little hook up with him yeah all right, yeah, you ready not? for your next three? It's interesting. I before I do this, interesting choices, Jordan. I hadn't expected that to go that way at all. Is that right? You would have uh, hooked up with Stuart. I probably would have, I don't know for sure, but I I can't would have gone out the airlock. He's he's very difficult to spend time with. I agree. He is difficult to spend time with. I have to say though, I think the actor is giving way more than the script is uh allowing him i mean i i actually feel that about most of the actors but i agree that actor is is doing his best with like a very weird role yeah he's selling a role that's ill-defined at best all right here here's your next one there's the second officer karen yep navigator tina and of course the computer natasha okay i would have to have my uh my girls night with natasha you got to be sweet on the computer. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I guess that computer is dressing just sexy enough for you to want to impress her, but not sexy enough for you to want to have sex with her. Well, apparently not. <laughs> apparently she's dressing just just sexy enough. And then I would probably, in similar to the show's plot lines, I would woo Tina, and I would, uh, unfortunately for Karen, I have to send her out in the airlock. She's also kind of annoying. I guess you're, you know, opposites attract, and you and Karen is the opposite problem. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding jordan that's fine that's fine um interesting choices. i have a heart of stone I, mean, I understand some of them i saw coming but i i yeah i think i'd keep karen around for some reason i like the actress i think i think weirdly i'm going with the show and in, in the plot lines we're going to talk about i think i'm in line with the show you're you're following along with what the show wants you to believe about all these characters Mm-hmm. <laughs> right okay so what do we got what's next and we've got one last cat one last aso- ensemble okay you can uh you can woo hook up or airlock these three characters the robot art the engineer zalian or tina's boyfriend ted the only other sort of character with on multiple episodes right well i think ted has proved to be um as we're gonna find out not a very kind person so let's send him out in the airlock all right. <laughs> let's 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 woo Zalian because I think he's dumb enough that he could be wooed and fooled. And then I guess I'm going to have a hookup with uh, with the robot because, hey, if, if Tasha Yar can do it, so can I, you know? <laughs> no spoilers for this episode. But when so when one of the characters was going to hook up, I thought for sure it was going to be with the robot. I think it's maybe again, it's a little too weird for a show that likes thinking it's weird. It doesn't really like getting that weird. I mean, it still got pretty weird. <laughs> It gets weird. That's true. It's true. All right. Well, let's get into it then after that just scintillating uh, ground of uh, whatever it was called. I think my choices will stand the test of time. 
Oh, sir, like the show itself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, here's the IMDb summary for episode three, The Death of Art. The crew prepares a video to broadcast to anyone that might be listening in space. Art gets knocked off the ship and then saves the crew when a planet starts to form around the ship. The one concept of that we're going to find out which is happening, which is the ship is sort of, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, Luke, they're sort of magnetizing matter around them, sort of like the core of a planet, and they've created essentially their own gravitational pull. Is that what's happening? No, I believe their ship is unrelated to what is happening. Is that right? Yes. I assumed what it was was they're in a part of space where just something weird is now happening because they're not supposed to be there, and the gravitational pull has started creating. Something weird is ha- there is an explanation for it midway through the show where they cry where they try to explain it, and someone's like, "Does that make sense?" And they're like, "Shut up!" Like because they oh, like they, I don't they remember themselves know that doesn't make any sense. Because I actually thought that was kind of an interesting idea, the idea that you would could weirdly start making your own planet based on your own gravitational pull, which I don't know if I've seen before. I could be wrong, but my understanding is that the ship is entirely unrelated to what is happening. Ah, well, then I'm not as interested. <laughs> what what basically is happening is when it starts off, the, the ship is floating through a dense particulate cloud, so they can't really see anything in space. They're not 100% sure where they are. And um, the crew is basically bored because there's nothing to see or do. And there's, they sort of they drop this little plot thread so they can come back to it later that they can't really, like triangulate their spot in space to get out of the cloud because there's no satellites to triangulate their location off of like this is like a long explanation just because i'm like i'm sure this will come back later and there's the whole thing of which i didn't think worked at all they have for whatever reason and this is probably one of the issues the show has with their setups to their joke as they have natasha the computer in quote-unquote snark mode because for whatever reason she's being snarky and they're like and the joke is they're like, oh, Captain, you accidentally pushed a button and put her into snark mode. And look, th- that's the joke. In real world, why would you ever have a snark mode? What would that ever be used for? So I just don't think it it works. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I know that's being being picky about a joke, but it would only be funny if it made sense in their world. That's the nature of the show. There's no, it's not based on any in-world character development or comedy. It's just like, oh, what's an easy joke we could smash in here? Yeah, so anyways, you have to have the poor actress be snarky for reasons, and it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, she's a bit jerky, and they're like, why are you so jerky? It's like, you push the snark mode button. Wah, wah. Now, we should do a thing. Every time there's a joke like that, we discuss, is it more Comeback Mrs. Noah, or is it more Quark? What do you think about that joke? I think that joke was more Quark. I agree with you. I think it's more Quark. It didn't have the, like, tonality of a robot chicken. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, they're so bored, and Captain Stewart basically comes up with an idea, which is like they've had two recent alien attacks on the ship, unrelated alien attacks. A goo monster impersonated a crew member, and then, like, I don't know, light aliens appeared and, like, tried to get them to throw themselves into the airlock, whatever. Mm -hmm. So he's just like, what we should do is create a message to broadcast out of the ship to just tell anyone who might be near us about us. Yeah. Which is a terrible idea, number one. Well, I mean, they and they do have the tiniest debate about it, where they the crew have different opinions on what the sort of message is going to be, which is the sort of the one of the plots of the show. But you think it was a bad idea to to broadcast that sort of thing out? I mean, I would say this: if I showed up in a place and in my first like forty eight hours, two separate things tried to kill me, I just try to keep my head down. Yeah, fair enough. I would I wouldn't actively be like, hey, uh, look over here. 
I don't know. I don't know if I think it's such a bad idea. I think it's good to have it ready. I don't know why you'd want to broadcast it immediately. I think maybe if you come in contact with something, then you broadcast it. Maybe that, yeah, maybe that's my concern is that he just wants to broadcast it on repeat. <laughs> right, right. But yes, you're right. Basically what happens in this episode, and they're, they're gonna, the crew's going to split into two teams. Captain Stewart, Tina, and Kent are going to go make up a message to send aliens. And then Karen, Michael, and Art are going to reset the uh, Ansible antenna so that they can send that message. Right. And, the, of course, the, the antenna was knocked out of power and needs to be reset on, on the outside because Art has magnetic arms and was using them to just uh, pull boxes for fun. So it's a weird setup, but they, they basically had Zalian and Art are sort of bored and they're kind of – the joke is they're kind of like stoners, kind of? Yes, basically. They're man-children. Um, even the ones are robot, and they, yeah, they're having they're using his magnetized arms to pull stuff, and somehow that has messed things up in this ship. It's like, eh, all right, sure, onward with the plot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like can't, don't don't spend too much time thinking about it. So let's talk quickly about uh, that first team up uh, message to the aliens. And uh, you're right. Basically, what it is is they're like, we don't have a we we do have a standard message we could send out, but it's from from a very old standard message that UMP built back when they were owned by Monsanto's. And the joke there is it's mostly propaganda for GMOs. Yeah. Very funny joke, right? You were rolling in the aisles. It was a bad one. Even for the show, it's just like, guy, it's not that funny at all. So they so they discuss what they're going to do because they— hold, hold on quick. That joke's a uh, um, uh, comeback and Mrs. Noah joke. That's a, yeah, that's a comeback? Sure. That's a comeback and Mrs. Noah joke. Sure. I like it. Yeah. They love stuff like that where they—remember they were like, let's see what England looks like, and it'd have like— It'd be like uh, there was a like lot Saudi of talk Arabia. about oil companies and Mrs. Yeah. Noah, so you're right. This would be up that alley for sure. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you are correct. The uh, so they get together. They're going to make this message. They the one thing that was kind of fun that they didn't do anything with was they are like, how are we going to send a message to aliens? And they're like, oh, we've got this this sort of universal translator device which just turns any message into a series of shapes and emotionally relevant colors, mm-hmm. which was kind of a weird funny concept they didn't do anything with they was just like it's there for one joke where they take it out and they're like see here it is and they're like say boobs to it and it just makes a random shape and color and they're like oh it works i'm like okay i guess that's a joke yeah yeah it was again some of the technology is kind of interesting on this show like i actually like the little piece of glass that they have that seems to be like the computer screen's like a piece of glass that people use but they weirdly don't use it really they don't have they have more time needed for kind of gags yeah it's not about the tech it's about it's about saying boobs yeah that's true it is about saying boobs anyway and the three the these three on this team they have uh they disagree on what the message to the alien should be captain stewart of course wants to send a message of peace but tina she she feels like they should show do a show of force some sort of message that shows they're very strong and should not be mm-hmm. attacked where, whereas Kent goes the opposite of both of them and thinks they should uh, send a message that's just an act of submission. Yes, yes. He has a sort of thing like he wants to give their deepest secret and essentially like he shows them he, he should, they should like present themselves like like in the animal kingdom sort of thing. Yes, this is, these, are the, these are the jokes. And uh, <laughs> th- that's the argument they're having. We get a lot of back and forth about them going to record their own videos, Bobby. But we'll come back to that in a little bit because the other team sends, basically has to send Art out to reset that antenna because he broke it and because he's a yeah. robot. They're like, you go out, you do the spacewalk, you reset it, save us all the trouble. Mm-hmm. But he goes out there, he resets the antenna, but he gets himself wedged between a thing and another thing. And so Karen and Michael have to go out and rescue him. I, I will give this to the show. It's a bit of a like coincidental setup sort of thing to have the plot move forward. 
However, they do mention how dark it is. So he's having an issue even with his uh, with his lights to be able to see where he's going, which is part of the danger. Yeah, very dark on the exterior of the ship, which is a nice idea. I actually like. Yeah. That. So it's and it's also they they have having visibility issues with this nebula or whatever's Particulate around them. Cloud. There you go. So yeah, Karen, Karen and Michael go to get him, and because it's so dark, they can't really see where he is. So they're they're wandering around. Karen's complaining about having to go rescue the dumb robot, and then Art chooses this moment to prank her. He like kind of jumps out of the dark and yells, "Ah, oh, I'm an alien!" And Karen just like reacts instinctively and like kicks him off and just kicks him into space. And what we see is the, uh, just Art floating off into space. Mm-hmm. It was a cute little scene. It was the this was like the better of the two subplots anyway. Um, and basically for the rest of the episode, Karen is very distraught about killing Art and Zalian, who didn't come out with them, is wondering what happened to his best friend. And uh, Michael's put in a position where she's constantly having to lie to Zalian uh, about Art being in the bathroom because Zalian's so dumb he doesn't think about it. Michael lies about it, not Oh, Karen. sorry, Michael. I, I apologize. These names are all like a mush in my head. Michael kind of feels guilty about it. Well, they both feel guilty, but Karen sort of just goes quiet and Michael sort of keeps making excuses and the, the main one is that he's just in the bathroom and Zalian being the kind of brain dead guy is like sounds good to me yes thank you I have so much trouble with this even when I do my notes I'm perpetually swapping Tina and Karen around while I'm watching it I do the exact same thing so my notes I always have to go and go oh wait I wrote the wrong name down for whatever reason these just names are so bland and so indistinct from one another that it's just it's very hard to remember Every time I write down the computer's name, I write down Vanessa, and then I'm like, that's wrong. I have to go back and try to figure out what her real name is. I'm like, all right, (laughs) Natasha. (laughs) We should have come up with just better names. Zalian's the only one that's easy to remember. Absolutely. So at this point in the episode, they all come together to watch the three different kinds of videos the other team made. And, um, you know, we see Tina has like a crazy one where she's like, I will kill you all. And this is something that I think you mentioned in the previous podcast when we were talking about the first couple episodes. This is an issue that... I think it started to show the seams of the show a little bit more, at least I feel, in specifically this episode, which is you take this this promotion, and Tina's is essentially like a wrestling promo. Mm-hmm. It's that sort very of like, metal. yeah, very like, we're going to take him, break you over our knees sort of thing. We have guns and all this. Fine. It's fine. It's cute. It's It's not particularly funny, but it's not bad. However, we've never seen this as a character trait of Tina before, so it just felt like they needed one of them to do that, uh, to have that type of message, but any of them could have done that. It would have made just as much sense because they didn't see that at all. And I think it's an issue with this show that we've said before is that the characters will do and say things not because it makes sense for the character, but because either it's a part of the plot mechanic or worse so, it's just a joke that doesn't really go anywhere. And so you have these characters that get even more ill-defined. You know, like, was, was is Tina into big-time violence and being aggressive? I, she is now. I didn't know that. She is now, but she won't be the next episode, right? So it just was like, guys, this is just, it ends up being weird and lazy. Yeah, I mean, Kent's video of submission is a little more in character since it's creepy and sultry, but... I'll, I'll give him that, but that's, uh, yeah. Anyways, it's just, it's these weird uh, inconsistencies hurt the show. But the key of this scene is both of their videos end just coincidentally with the characters making some sort of statement about being thrown or kicked into space or into the void to die forever which is just basically to trigger karen over her over her guilt over killing art because she hasn't told anyone yet and she finally just breaks down tells zalian that art's killed and zalian is so distraught by the by the news that his best friend art was killed he basically runs outside of the ship without his spacesuit on to try to find art 
and he doesn't immediately die and they're like oh that's weird at which point the computer Natasha comes on to explain that an oxygen rich pseudo atmosphere has formed around the ship and she didn't think to mention it because oxygen doesn't mean anything to her again it's a joke but it's like so she's an incredibly ineffective computer yeah you're not you can't count on her for anything (laughs) yeah so it's like uh, okay great i'm glad she's there as a character but this is the moment when they determine like because this weird oxygen environment's formed around the ship they start talking about how oh apparently this particular cloud is actually a planet that is forming at this exact second just happens to be happening outside of our ship and now that we realize it we have to get out of here because if we don't get out soon, the planet will form around us, crushing us inside of it. Yeah, they'll become the core of the planet. Again, I think that's a cool concept and a cool premise for an episode that weirdly is almost given the, like, it's almost like the third plot of the show, right? Like, you have art kind of going missing, you have them coming up with a message for aliens, and then this is sort of like an afterthought where I'm like, isn't this the setup for interesting interesting uh, uh scenarios captain stewart realizes that if a planet is forming around them that means like there's a bunch of matter orbiting this area because a great gravity is pulling it all together which means art is probably still floating out in space somewhere he's probably orbiting them as well so he uses this to radio art and art's just like hey yeah i've been here the whole time floating around and they're like oh great art can act as a satellite to help us tri- triangulate our position and get out of the get out of the way of this planet that's forming right now mm-hmm Am I wrong? And because he has this magnetic ability, he's able to magnetize objects to him. I mean, that's part of that. It's like that's like step five of a four-part step, a series of steps that he goes right. through here. Because they're like, oh, now we've triangulated our position. We can using satellite art. We can now fly away from this this forming planet and not get crushed. Except they realize, oh no, there's so much gravity here now. The ship is too heavy to escape the pull of gravity. So they. All band together, and Zalian is forced to eject all the fuel on the ship to lighten them up to get them enough power to get out of there. Right, I forgot about that, right. And once all the fuel's removed, which I don't understand how they're going to escape with all the fuel removed, but whatever, they're like, oh no, we're still too heavy even with all the fuel ejected. And Art at that point says, oh, what if I use my Magno arms to pull the planet that's forming toward me and pull and that'll move it out you out of it out of the range of it and what we get is we get like audio of art pulling the planet toward him and then getting crushed inside of the planet as it forms and the crew is saved by art's sacrifice right but but it's never it never ends jordan it never ever ends and you know let me ask you at this point did you think uh art was going to be dead the character no. i didn't either like why would they kill art <laughs> right it's episode three <laughs> zalian is so distraught by art's death they, the crew all gathers around to comfort him and he's like very sad about the death of his friend and he's like well there's nothing left to do i guess and he just pulls out a really big box that's, that's sitting next to him and the second you see it you know it's inside yeah he like pops it open there's just another art inside he explains that all of art's thought impulses are automatically backed up on the ship and that there are apparently dozens and dozens of arts just like stored all over the ship wasn't he a stowaway two episodes ago they just have decided that the ship has a bunch of cargo we don't know about and it's art and it leads to maybe the best joke of the whole thing is Karen, who has basically been so guilt-ridden over killing Art, and like she she's like risked her life a few times as a result of like the guilt she's feeling over Art. She's just like, wait a minute, like I've been feeling this way all day, and Zalian, you've just had Art in a box. He was fine this whole time. There was really no problem. And they're like, yeah, I've got dozens of him around the ship. And Karen pulls out her laser gun and just like shoot, like kills Art again. Like Art just like gets yeah. murdered one more time. Yeah. 
which which is it's pretty the, good. It's the cute. It's the scene that I was just like, at least this is like a joke that I laughed at. Yeah. And uh, the episode kind of comes to a close with um, them sending off a compromised video or watching a compromised video they made to send to aliens. And basically they decided to focus on a message of peace and they cut together. They use the GMO footage they joked about earlier. So you get to see like a really big cow or a big pumpkin. So you kind of see whatever the GMO footage was, but then they show the crew saying, We're, we come in peace. Yeah. And then this kind of running joke, which I would argue is one of the weakest jokes and it's the whole character of michael is that he's sort of underappreciated and undernoticed and he's sort of just so bland that no one cares about him and they realize that when they've done the put together this package this video he's not in it at all even all the shots of the crew and then they're sort of like but you're here with us in our hearts and he's like that's enough and i was just like this joke has run its course it's, it's not particularly funny. It's because there's so yeah. few people on the crew that it just like, and he's in almost every scene. Like it just doesn't feel authentic. I just don't think it's enough of a joke. It's a beginning character point that he's underappreciated, but like, that's it. That's all you need to know about the character. And they don't know what to do with it. So every scene he comes up and he's like, wah, wah, and that's it. That's, that's, that's a great episode. Eh? You loved it every minute of it. This was probably of the four. This was my uh, least favorite of the episodes. All right, well, let's get into the next one then. Here's the IMDb summary for episode four, TED Talks. So the planet is growing too dense for our extraction equipment, so our window is extremely limited. We have 12 hours to drill in and extend our microfilaments. Once we extract all the ore, we'll have the auto thrusters go down and collect the container, bring it back onto the ship. And while I'm doing this, I need a full concentration. Okay, so no distractions, no talking to me, no talking around me, no baking. Do not be smelly, do not be ugly, do not be fat. Tina finds a way to get dumped by her Earth-bound boyfriend despite having no contact with Earth. The ship turns out to be infested with spyware, but not in the way you would think. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's not in the way you think. What a, what a summary. I loved it. What a summary. There's a weird bit of... I mean, this whole thing is somewhat serialized, but this episode is more so than you would... At least more so than I would think, which is the plot of the last episode of them losing their fuel is the setup for this episode that they have to get the fuel back. What I love is this this newly formed planet is like making at least a three-episode arc in the series. <laughs> in this eight-episode series. Hold on. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Is the planet they're going down to to drill essentially is that the planet that's just formed you didn't catch that no i thought it was just a random planet no here's what happened is they they talk say this off the top of the episode they blew all the fuel out to escape last time though it didn't yeah. work so it was all pointless anyway and that fuel because of the forming planet just happens to have collected in the newly formed planet under the surface and they only they have 12 hours to drill down and get it before the crust of the planet becomes too hard for them to drill right. through. I'll be honest, I wasn't paying as much attention as maybe I should have because of the quality of the show. You, you just blocked out the opening of the, of the, of the episode entirely. <laughs> I do know they make a couple like cheese jokes later to say how soft the, the earth is. Yeah, yeah, they use cheese as an example to how soft the, soft the crust is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only person who can extract the fuel out of the ship, just like last time when Tina was discovered to be a warmonger, Turns out Tina is also the only one who is capable of using the extraction stuff they have on the ship effectively enough to get it out. So they need Tina to do it. And what we see is, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, I think this is the first time we've seen 
technology used in this way on the show, which is Tina would be in front of a screen that sort of has the schematics or the map of what she needs to do, and she just uses her hands in certain gestures to control, I guess, the ship's apparatus. Of yeah, yeah, it's a real minority report. Yeah, but, it, but we haven't seen this kind of technology before, have we? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Everything seems to have been more like keyboards and controls up till now. But I think this is just for the joke that when every every other every other like person on the crew is going to try to do it, and they just like wave their hands around, and immediately the planet explodes. So they're like, "Well, Tina's the only one with the like dexterity to do it." Yeah, it's it's a very sensitive instrument of moving your hands. Well, the the joke is she's from Uzbekistan, and uh, the only things good in Uzbekistan are under the ground. So she 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 had to learn how to excavate very early on in life. That's also Mrs. Noah joke. Yeah, that's very much so. <laughs> but before she can do it, the ship receives a message from her boyfriend, Ted, that he sent to the ship like an hour after Tina left on the mission, but put a time delay on it so it wouldn't get to her till a week after they left. And the thing is basically just like, well, you left, so I'm breaking up with you. Goodbye. Does that make sense, though? Does that make sense? So was the message was on the ship because I'm because they can't receive or transmit anything Correct. now. So it was it was on the ship on a time delay. Correct. That is what he says okay. he did. He wanted to give her a week of happiness before he broke up with her. Right. Sure. And anyway, Tina's too distraught because we haven't talked about it much, but every episode is about how much Tina loves her boyfriend, like in that gross high school kind of way. Yeah. Now, do you think the show at this point is making an attempt to get her away from that because she's been saddled with that one character trait? Do you think that's what this is or do you think it's just for the one episode? No, I, I mean, I think what it is is that at some point they know they need to break them up so the will they won't they of Captain Stewart and her can really come into play. So and, they, you know, how many times are they going to bring back that actor to like be on a video screen? Ted, this is all his last hurrah. But it's an interesting thing of the will they won't they between tina and the captain because there's no tension between those two there's no it's not like like she just doesn't know he exists and he sort of has that puppy dog longing for her but doesn't act in any way on it so it's like there's no real sexual tension at all i mean we we could care less whether these characters get what they want or don't want so it's not it's like hard to invest ourselves right right so there's now this problem Tina's too sad to do to get the fuel, and they only have twelve hours. Oh no! Meanwhile, Art and Zalian uh, are wandering the ship because I guess they made Art Art's like a crew member now. They like make him an official crew member because he saved them last episode or something. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where all the they're like, remember last episode? Here's some important serialization for yeah. you. We gave him a key card. It's a setup that he's been made an honorary member so thus he now has a key card that will open all the doors and the reason that's important is it shows zalian and art going through the hallways and uh art is just opening doors randomly because he's so happy and they get to a place that apparently no one knows about essentially like for all intents purposes like a closet of some sort and when they open the door they see there's like a whole computer setup in it and they they just drop this line of dialogue, which I don't think jives with what we've heard before, is that the ship was at one point used by MTV it for was like built, a reality it show. It was built by MTV. But didn't in the first episode, didn't, that's not what they said. Oh, well, that's, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm wrong. Because when they had, when they had Stuart talk about in the first episode that this is this illustrious old ship that has had this wonderful history and stuff and that's why he wanted to be he was so impressed to be commander of it they didn't say he didn't say i used to watch it on mtv 
No, a UMP bought it from MTV. They had built it to be a flying reality show. The reality show, of course, was Real World Road Rules Challenge Moonferno. Yeah. Bjork do- roll in the aisles when they, when they read that name out loud. Eh? Yeah. I mean, look, it's not a terrible setup for comedic situations of having... Because what, what's basically going to happen is you are going to have uh, Zalian and Art essentially in this room watching and monitoring things on the on these screens much like a big brother-esque type reality show and then what they're watching sort of divulges into a reality show of sorts it's set up in that way it's not the worst setup ever the execution leaves a little something why why is art so excited to watch reality tv george i don't remember it's because reality tv was canceled when they were kids Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was just like a passing line. And you're like, what? Just to let you know, reality was canceled. Yeah. There you go. Because shows like this were on the air. They were so much better. Yeah. It's uh, so that's basically it. They're, they're, it's revealed that there's a little control center where you can watch where they were recording a TV show. And the ship is full of microscopic flying cameras so they can see anything anywhere at any time. Yeah. And yeah. then I, the one joke that kind of made me laugh was they... Uh, they see themselves on camera, and Zalian's like, look at me, I'm a robot, and he starts moving his hands around, and uh, Art's like, look at me, I'm a human. Sadly, the two of them are probably the stronger parts in the show, and I'm not sure if it's because they have the least screen time. They have the best chemistry. But they have the best chemistry, yeah. It is a good joke, because uh, he's doing the robot, he's doing the human, and then uh, Art turns to him and says, I don't know, man, I think this is a little racist. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. Um, anyway... The computer has decided she needs to figure out how to fix the problem with Natasha or with Tina. Natasha's the computer. Tina's the woman who's sad. Yeah. So she looks in the computer's database to look up heartbreak and comes up with a plan. So with Karen's help, they're going to throw a girls night to cheer up Tina. Yeah. And three girls is not enough to do a girls night. So they're going to have to recruit a bland male to be the fourth to the party. And of course, that means when they said this, they're like, they're doing the joke. Like there's only one option for who could be the fourth male here. And I was legitimately like, I'm like, I could be any of these people. It's funny that you said, I thought the exact same thing. They're like, we need a generic bland male. I was like, I don't know who it's going to be. And they're like, of course it's Michael. I was like, oh yeah. I was surprised too. I was like, I'm like, oh, I thought you were talking about the captain. You just described him perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, that's the setup of sort of bringing all the plots together. They have to cheer Tina up. So she's more focused on, uh, the task at hand, which is the extraction of the fuel, um, and then the plot of it's going to be set up like a reality show with the other guys watching on the cameras. And yeah. that's what we have and now. So this girls' night kicks off with the four of them. The ship doesn't have any anything in the way of libation, so it's a bit of a boring – they just have saltines, basically. Except the computer, Natasha. She's able to program herself to get drunk. So she's can drink as a computer and slowly get more and more drunk and, you, and like, slurry. Yeah, they <laughs> – it's here's the, th- the thing about her I, I i have nothing against the actress i think she's doing what she can they just they haven't given any thought as to what the computer does and doesn't do and what its function is and how it works so it becomes this I, it, it almost is a hindrance to the show to have her as a character because they don't know what to do with her as a computer they're like the computer gets drunk you're like but why what that doesn't make any sense there's 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 more jokes you can so do funny they're all gonna get drunk you know what i mean it's so just like funny. it'd be like if on star trek every episode they had to have data act wildly different based on the plot it's like well no it doesn't make sense anymore it is odd because it's not like this computer is like wants to be human which would be like your go-to 
it's yeah. just like oh it's, it's perfectly human it has all the emotions it wants at any given time yeah but it apparently has a drunk function and it has a snark function and it has a sexy function yeah, it's like okay but because they can't do because the, the the girls night doesn't have any drinks it's a little boring so art uses the reality show uh tequila protocol which results in like i guess there's secret tequila hidden all over the ship so a bottle of tequila pops up and the the, the people at girls night are, are capable of now getting very very drunk mm-hmm. which is a lot of people just like mostly this episode is uh, the cast acting drunk right now uh, which is the worst thing on tv uh hidden tequila coming out of the ship more cork more mrs noah mrs noah for sure yeah agreed the reality show part though is probably more cork well i mean it it, it they they predate they both predate it predates that, but it yeah. but I, I feel like it fits more that show yeah anyway the girls night still isn't cheering tina up enough for her to like properly do her job i guess or something i don't know well it's it's a the problem lucas it's a weak setup because the point is they're like the the girls night's the only way to make her forget about how sad she is so she'll perform her functions better but there's nothing we see about the girls night actually does that so it's a it just the premise doesn't quite work as a structure of the show or in world well that's why they have to escalate jordan so the new escalation is girls night decides the only way to get her out of this funk is for her to hook up with a crew member tonight yeah yep and so while they're coming up with this idea, it's like, oh, she needs to hook up with someone on the crew. We cut to uh, Michael and Kent, and they've been hanging out. Kent's decided they should have their own boys' night if there's going to be a girls' night. And they've been uh, watching, uh, I guess, futuristic Pixar movies. I believe it's called Boys. Mm-hmm. To yeah. which I believe one of the jokes is they just have a fake Pixar song called Boys Playing, and I guess you're supposed to laugh at it. I don't know. I didn't find all that funny. Yeah, it, it was, it's just sort of like this is what the – what these kind of movies sound like that's all it really was yeah and there's like some sort of subtext in the song that like boys are uh what in the future boys are the uh underappreciated sex i guess is the joke they try to make sure i don't know it doesn't make any sense it doesn't land at all yeah oh the only thing that's kind of interesting about it is that um uh, kent is projecting it on like what it looks like essentially like a slightly larger ball bearing and it projects the movie. And you have to, like, I don't know why you'd, you'd have to just hold the thing forever. But um, that's how the movie's projected. I was like, okay, there's some technology. Remember that TV movie we watched where all the computers were, like, all the all the things were pogs. We used pogs to, like, they were the little computer disks. In this world, they're marbles, are the computer disks. They're marbles, yeah. Well, to, to, I'll give them this. This is the second time we've seen just, like, balls be uh, a futuristic thing. We had ties instead of ties. People were wearing balls around their neck. And I now they're projecting movies with balls no it's just it's a ball-based society which again doesn't i don't know why you would uh you'd use that minority minority report sort of uh, technology for excavation but <laughs> whatever <laughs> anyway at this at this boys night kent suggests that the only way to get tina back to fighting form is that really she doesn't need a girls night based on what he's seen in this uh, this movie pixar's boys she needs a man and he suggests mm-hmm. that the captain really is the only suitable candidate to have uh, to sleep with tina and get her back on task and of course you know this is something Stuart wants the captain's very excited to hear this and art and zalian appear from their reality show watching room to really like they want to spice up the show they're watching so they like show up and like really back up can't they like captain you should definitely go after tina in to the point that we we've brought you this bucket full of uh clamoritas and rose petals to help woo her yeah the clamoritas 
is a joke, right? I wasn't. I didn't know if I heard them correctly the first time, so it was only the second time when I realized that's what I wrote down. Clamoritas as well. It's like a mix of a clamato and a margarita. But again, I have defended the show maybe more than most. But some of these things are getting a little tiring, and like that's not a joke. The joke is what? It's a weird drink we haven't heard of. Here's what I think happened, Jordan. As I think Paul Fig is in a room with a bunch of people like trying to like yes and his ideas. And I think at some point the joke was, because the joke is he's like walking by, he's like, I just happen to have this bucket full of things to woo a woman with. And it's just like, I think the original joke was like, I just happen to have a bucket full of rose petals and oysters, a notorious aphrodisiac. And they're like, what if it wasn't oysters? What if it was clamoritas? And they're like, genius, let's go with that. You're probably not too far off the truth. Because I was like, what does clamoritas mean? Yeah, it's just they think it's funny and they say it a couple times. And you're like, okay. So, I mean, the point is really that Stuart is excited at the prospect of this consummation but at the same time he's very nervous and scared because he's in he's a not confident person and this is i'm assuming not the way he had envisioned the, their relationship would go now he's a little nervous that he might make it yeah. happen yeah we cut back to the girls night where they really have they really tease us with like something where we're like oh i i can't believe we're not going to know who she's chosen because her and the computer natasha tina and natasha have decided on who Tina's going to hook up with. Yeah. So they leave the girls' night, but they don't tell us who it is. So we, the audience, can sit on the edge of our seat waiting to who she's going to have picked to have a hookup with. Clearly the joke's going to be, they think it's going to be Stuart, and it's not going to be Stuart. But let me ask you something then. She goes, because what we have is they're like, oh, uh, Tina's very excited. And they're like, let's do this. Natasha says, I will guide you there. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess the idea that every time she goes into a hallway, she'll uh, be appearing on the wall or something. Yes. Um, but then she shows up to Stuart's room to tell him. I don't understand why she showed up to, uh, other than it's just it's for the, the gag. joke of like, are, is it is it going to be is it going to be Stuart? Is it not going to be Stuart? It's just so they can do that. Like, is it is it is it not joke? Basically, there's no reason for it. Yeah. Well, that was my point because it's like she basically shows up and is like, "Hey, I can't wait to hook up with someone." And he's like, "All right." I did like I did like this joke though because she shows up and she's like, "I am so horny." That's what she says. She's like, "I'm so horny," and so it's like it's happening. And he gets down on one knee and pulls a ring out to propose to her. Right. <laughs> Which was okay for that character. Like it made sense for that character. But what we find very quickly is something that I don't know if it makes sense, and I shouldn't say that. Clearly, it doesn't make sense. Is that she's like, yes, I'm is going to happen, and Natasha has unfrozen this Amish man who will be the person I'm going to have sex with, and he was there for the reality show. Yes, what it is is what we we see. She's like, I'm. He's like, well. Uh, see you later, Stuart. I'm going to go have sex with this frostbitten Amish man who just stumbles into like stumbles into the scene out of nowhere where you're just like, what is happening? But let me ask you this about the Amish guy, because later on they're going to say like he was confused. He doesn't know what happened and stuff. So I'm assuming what we were supposed to know is in the future, the Amish still exist and the Amish are still a culture of people that do not believe in technology. So they would still be using 1800s sort of uh, machinery or uh, stuff. So they kind of mentioned that he doesn't even know what a ship is or where he is or what time and stuff. And I'm like, so did they take him from the past or did they take him I, from I think you've now? Misrepres- I think you've misunderstood the show because I don't think they're saying that at all. Am I wrong, though? It doesn't make any sense. Well, what they say here, I'll tell you exactly how they explain this away, is this Amish man is named Abram. 
and he's been unfrozen because there's a apparently there's a secret cryo chamber on the ship from when there was a reality show and he yeah. is an Amish eco skateboarder who was on that reality show and won that season so there's a theoretically a whole bunch of reality show people frozen somewhere so they could one day perhaps do a reunion show. Right, but they mention later on in a kind of a throwaway line that he doesn't understand where he is or the technology or what a ship or anything is. No, no. What it is is what we see is Zalian and uh, Art are watching as the hookup happens, which is very uncomfortable because you literally see Tina sexually assaulting him and him screaming, please no, please don't do this. And they're watching it in a very, like, American Pie sort of way. Yeah. And she explains later, because she'll reveal later, they didn't end up having sex. Because I think what it is, is he was confused from the cryo sleep. He doesn't know where he is or what's happening. And then begs to die. So she helps him throw himself out an airlock instead. Okay, sure. Okay, that that I guess explains it. I believe maybe I was was overthinking it. So confused from being frozen for hundreds of years. Right. Okay. Anyways, it's one of those things where, like, it doesn't add up into the show that they have all these cryogenic people too but apparently there's a whole reality show cast somewhere hidden on the ship (laughs) yeah okay i know you're excited to see who they unfreeze next they won't because it's not a thing they just needed a joke that the joke was wouldn't it be funny if the captain thought he was going to have sex with this woman that he's been pining with and the joke is instead she picks an amish person why is there an amish person there reasons that's (laughs) why i know what joke you did like though what was that the will they won't they they kept sitting between uh Karen and Michael the whole episode and then they had sex for some reason yeah did they did they see that previously Uh, only in this episode there's one scene where Michael says I think Tina has a crush on me and then later Tina says I think Michael has a crush on me and then you cut back and they're like should we have sex and they're like okay what did you think of the gag that all their clothing has um passwords oh I forgot about that you have to oh man that was actually very awkward that thing where they're like they want to have sex, and the computer forces them to make a verbal consent contract, which is not how consent works. It can be revoked after it is given. No, it can't. Luke, not in the future. And then they have to to get into each other's pants. They have to use a password to open each other's zippers. That's right. Yeah. And the joke there is both of their passwords are uh, Stuart's birthday. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I forgot all about that. That's it. That's the joke. Anyway, the next morning... The crew's all hung over. There's only 27 minutes left before the planet hardens too much to extract the fuel. Tina comes in. She reveals she did not have sex with the Amish man and helped him kill himself instead. So she's actually apparently still too distraught to remove the fuel from the planet. So they have to come up with a new plan at the last second, at which point we just get a hard cut to the crew, I guess, has re-spliced all the messages her boyfriend Ted ever sent her into a badly edited thing where he says, I'm just kidding, I didn't break up with you. Mm -hmm. And after she watches it, she's like, oh, you guys, I'm not fooled. I know Ted didn't send that message, but you, my girls are so good to like want to cheer me up. I feel good enough now to extract all the fuel. And it happens so fast that while they're sort of having this conversation, she's just done it in the background in like a couple seconds. But unfortunately... Uh, what was supposed to be happening, Art and Zalian, I guess, at the top of the show, were assigned to create or to fuel or do something with a thruster booster because the extraction is happening, and what we're supposed to think is the ship isn't extracting it. They've sent a different ship out of their own ship Mm -hmm. to do the extraction, and now that that ship is full of fuel, it's supposed to come back. But because Art and Zalian were watching reality TV, they didn't do something to the reactor, and now this fuel can't come back to the ship in fact, not only can it not come back to the ship, 
it falls into the orbit of the newly formed planet and crashes on the planet's surface. So now they're going to have to go down to the surface of this planet to still get the fuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're obsessed with keeping us on this planet for as long as possible. <laughs> well, there's an odd thing of even of fuel being such a uh, plot point for this, right? It's just like, like you realize why in, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek, they just, they just wave it away so you don't have to have them constantly stopping for fuel, you know? Well, it also doesn't make sense because, like, the ship is still doing many, many things. Like, it's still clearly powered and working. So mm. the idea of these fuels, it, none of it really adds up. But Art gets suspended, so he gets his badge taken away. So I guess, and then, and then for some reason, him and um, Zalian they leave that room, and we're like, "That's too dangerous." And Zalian takes like a laser gun and seals the door. Yes. And then we get well, a le- shot. At least a cliffhanger too, because cliffhanger one yeah. is we now have to go to the planet's surface to get the fuel. Cliffhanger two is. Once they seal the door to the reality show room, an unknown user logs into the reality show, I guess, to watch them. So now we are like, ooh, who's this unknown user? And then Cliffhanger 3 is at the end of the episode. Kent walks in. He's been using the the computer or the ship's cameras, and he's spotted a planet behind them. The planet is Pluto because matter from our own universe is still being transferred to this other universe so maybe there's also a way they can get home if the, if the pluto is somehow here maybe they can get home so we now have three cliffhangers this episode mm-hmm. sure i mean it's it's weird again i think the serialization isn't really needed in this show not that it's it's not even that it's a hindrance it's just like it does i don't know if it adds anything it's it's just so funny because it's all in the last like minute and a half of this episode like they, they extract the fuel and then it's just like Problem one, fuel on planet now. Problem two, Pluto is also in this universe. Problem three, an unknown user has logged in. And we're off running. You, I we, I know you can't wait to see what happens in the final four episodes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we're now, we're halfway through this season. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's crazy. I, I don't know if you have any final thought notes or anything, but I've got one thing I wanted to note. And I, I can't tell... If, when they're all sitting around watching videos and stuff in that third episode, they're sort of sitting in this room mm-hmm. watching videos on a big screen. And over all the character's shoulders are these, like, archways which have recesses into them. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be lit very green, like the kind of green you'd use for a green screen. And I'm just like, did they – like, is that – was that supposed to be space? Is this an unfinished effect or is the ship just lit green? I couldn't decide if it was, like – they got uh, to a I, point and decided not to finish the effects. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look. I don't. I don't. Uh, I'll look in future episodes and see if it's still like that. I didn't notice it. I couldn't quite tell. I couldn't quite tell if it was an artistic choice or if it was the case where it's just like you know you get to a stage and you're like we're not going to spend the money finishing that effect. No one will notice. I'll tell you mentioning that though, and again, it feels weird to be overly critical of a show where uh, the intention is not to be a science fiction show. That's the setup, but. Four episodes in, I don't really get what the geography of the ship is. Oh, yeah, I don't think we'll ever will. Because when you see the outside of the ship, it looks actually very similar to, uh, uh, what's it, Slave 1? Whatever Boba Fett ship is in Star Wars. It has that same sort of, like, looks almost like a a blue whale sort of, like, roundness to it. But this is much, much bigger. And clearly they want it bigger because you want to have rooms they don't know about and cargo holds and all this. But... I don't understand because when you look at the bridge, it looks so tiny and then they have these tiny hallways and all the rooms seem very condensed. So I don't know what I just don't get what the ship is. The ship is hilariously filled with guest stars we haven't met yet. (laughs) I guess I guess it's very similar to like a um, a super train or or something like that uh, where their their hope is actually uh, saying that super train had more geography. (laughs) 
Super Train had more geography, and structurally, in terms of an actual TV show, I think it it made more sense to have guest stars than than this one does. Like it lends it's, itself to it. It much is better. so wild to me that they chose to set it in an alternate universe where they can't get home because it really like at that point you were like are struggling to come up with reasons other people show up. Well, you, you know, you mentioned it previously, and I didn't know if I uh, agreed with it at the time, but I I sort of do now because you could have probably had more fun with what the future is that they deal with because they seem to want to do those jokes. Like, I mean, they're kind of lame jokes about MTV or GMOs or whatever, but they seem to want to play in that, that sphere. It's like, but then they've removed the characters from that. So it's just comments as opposed to what would be funnier is actually seeing these things. It's And it's so weird too. Cause like you don't need them to be lost in space for them to have weird space adventures. Just have them go to the edge of known space and you're, you're all set. Anything can happen. I have a feeling they're going to get back uh, in the in the end last episode. They'll get back uh, what they think is back, but it's altered in some way or something like Here's that. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think there's going to be that tease of like, oh, Pluto's here. Maybe we can get back to our, our universe. And the season's going to culminate in them doing some massive plan to get back. They botch it and they pull the entire universe into this one. So now you both have the alternate universe and their universe. Mm, you could be right. Anyway. Jordan, what do you want to give the first episode as a rating, uh, The Death of Art? Uh, I'm, I'm still going to be a little bit forgiving on this show. Um, I don't know why. It's it's starting to wear on me a little bit after four episodes, but this was my least favorite episode of the show. I'm going to give this one a four and a half out of ten. Four and a half. I would say this week, I I guess because I, we watched last week, I obviously did not enjoy myself uh, last week mm-hmm. at all. But I, I guess maybe it was easier to watch this time around because at least I knew what I was in for. So I didn't I didn't feel I mean, it was still awful, but I didn't feel as like it was like quite the struggle it was last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still a two. I, I don't think the show can ever get above a two. <laughs> <laughs> OK. And uh, uh, for episode four, I thought it was marginally better. I'm going to give it a uh, 5.5. 5.5. Yeah. Again, it just felt like a two to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. This might be the first time you've only ever given twos to something. I just I, every you know, every episode I watch, I'm just like, this is really really bad, but it has like two jokes that are okay, or like it has like a couple ideas that are okay, and like it always just I I finish watching every episode, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's about a two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's consistent, Jordan. It's consistent. Yeah, I tell you, it's such an odd. You know, we've you know compared it now many many times to the other two sci-fi comedies quark and come back mrs noah and in some ways those shows had a much more concrete idea of what the show they wanted to make was i'm not saying they're better quality i'm not saying the jokes are better or it's aged better but i think the people knew what they wanted to do you know it's like it's like hey i'm gonna tell a really bad joke but they know how to do it. This show, it seems like they're waffling as to what they want to do at all times. I think you nailed it off the top. I, I think you're right. I think its biggest flaw is not its biggest flaw. There's many flaws. It lacks a point of view. So you just mm-hmm. like, it doesn't feel like anything. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's, there's again, characters change depending on what the plot is. Character motivations, uh, the relationships between the two of them. It's in service of jokes, which is isn't such a bad idea if the jokes were better but because it's so impersonal you just have flat jokes so it just like again we're coming and think you're never going to get above a two because you know it's not going to get any better the show after four episodes 
has settled into what it is. Oh, I, I, that's the one thing I feel about it. I'm like, it is very consistent. Like, I don't feel like any, like, I just, I'm just, every episode, I'm just like, yeah, that's an episode of Other Space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't think it's going to find its legs at any time. It's not going to, like, have an, uh, a weird outlier episode where we're like, wow, that was, that was something. They I think it's just something. going, this is what it is. Yeah. I can't wait for them to go down to this planet. Uh, what, placing bets right now, Jordan. They never leave the ship because there's like they really don't have any intention of like spending more money than on the build of the ship. Mm-hmm. Will we see the planet or will someone just go down and will we hear the audio of them on the planet? I think we'll see them on the planet, but I think it's going to be very similar to when Art and Zalian went out onto the ship. I okay. think it's going to be a kind of a obscured cloud blowing sort of. We They're not going to go on location. They'll they'll set up a little. They'll build this something in studio. It'll be like exactly. five feet by five feet. Oh yeah, feet. this this is a one hundred percent in studio show. Great, great. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of Other Space Talk. Uh, I'm glad you turned into the Other Space Podcast. <laughs> we're, well, you, we're halfway there. We only got two more podcasts on this show. Perfect. Uh, in the meantime, you can, of course, always email us at continuandrag.gmail.com and say hello. Let us know your thoughts. Just, uh, you know, we always appreciate hearing from the listeners. Right, Jordan? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I want them to have to watch this show, too. Someone someone will watch it along with us, I yeah. think. Poor That yeah. poor person. I feel bad for them. I know. I know. It's our fault that this is happening to them. <laughs> well, I, I have to say, us, you know, I'm cutting off here, but listening to us talk about it is... I, I, it's not tooting our own horn, but it's much better than watching the show. Oof, I wouldn't want to listen to us talk about it. I, I hate talking about it. <laughs> I think it's better. On Instagram and Twitter, though, we will have some clips from the show. Probably the best this show has to offer. So really, that's all you need to watch. Mm-hmm. The uh, yeah. the handle there is at Continuum Dragon, both those social medias. And that wraps it up. So, listener, thank you for joining us. And, Jordan, I'll see you next week. I'll see you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler, produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.